It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's the pocket. And To the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff, and it's the Qinator. Oh my God! Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for part two of the weekend mailbag. So for that, of course, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. For the next question, I want to go back to Michael Christopher. He says, listen to many podcasts before the draft. Locked on Browns, Inside Eagles, to name a few. And you guys are the best. Aw, thanks, Michael. No, you're the best, actually. He says, do you guys have any favorite guests or guests you respect in the industry? And if so, who? So before we get to the next part, I have a lot of favorite guests. Brett Coleman is awesome every time he comes on the show. Connor Rogers is great when he comes on. Obviously, Chris is one of my favorite people to talk to. Believe it or not, people are going to get on me for this, but Manish is always fun because he's always got something up his sleeve. You just don't know what it's going to be. And you go and look at a lot of the guys that I have on fairly regularly. I love talking to Daryl Slater. The funny thing about Daryl is, and I've talked about this before, his writing is sharp, but he's got this dry wit and really sarcastic personality that's funny as hell, but doesn't really come across in the written word. So when he comes on podcasts, he really lets it out and always entertaining to hear from him. There's so many others. I'd have to sit here and rack my brain, but just off the top of my head, those are the guys that I like to have on the show. Chris, are there any people that appear on football-related podcasts that you tend to like particularly? I mean, the... I don't consume a lot of sports media. Um, like I, I like the Levertard show a, a lot, but that's mostly because that's not typical sports, and it's uh, they just make fun of uh, a lot of sports radio and stuff. I don't consume a lot. I I listen to uh, Mina Kimes is somebody who I listen to pretty much anything she does. I like Bill Barnwell a lot uh, too, um, and I'll, I. I try not to consume a lot of sports media and partially there's a lot of just, you know, typical sports media stuff that I don't like. Uh, part of it is also that I just don't want to have other people in like uh, me hear something from them. And then like a couple weeks later, not know that that was maybe it's seeped into my subconscious and now I'm spouting it off as my own. So, uh, but those media times I, She's perfectly silly. She's incredibly smart and well thought out. And Barnwell, I, I disagree with Barnwell on a lot of things, but I always understand and respect the process he takes to get to where he gets. So I really enjoy listening to him and the way he works through things. Um, those are the, the main ones that I really actively listen to with football related. 
Then Michael says, how do you pick or get guests for the show? It really depends. When it comes to picking a guest, a lot of times it's just somebody that I see that says something interesting. And then if I want to try to get them on, I'll either try to contact that person directly if his contact information is available or I'll work back channels. Like maybe I know somebody who knows somebody who knows the guy. So Brett Coleman would be an example I think his videos are outstanding. I think he has a lot of really interesting things to say about football. So I wanted to get him on. So I spoke to a friend who knew him, and he made contact with him, and that's how I got Brett on the show the first time. And then once I had him on the first time, we started to get friendly, and then I would invite him on again, and then he would come on again, and that's sort of how that goes. And that's really how I do it in terms of the guests. It's just a matter of who I find interesting, who I think the people listening to the show would find interesting, and then I'll try and reach out through whatever means I have available to me. He also says, I know Joe Marino said the Jets had an elite draft class, and Greg Cosell was raving about Denzel Mims before the draft. Any chance you could get those guys on? I'll give it a shot. I'd love to have Greg Cosell on. I love Greg Cosell. I think he does great work, and I'll try and see if I can get Joe Marino on. That would be interesting, because I think he's a Bills fan, so... Not only having him talk about the Jets draft class, but sort of contrasting it with what the Bills did could be interesting. He also says, thanks for all that you guys do, giving great content each mailbag and throughout the week. Well, thanks, Michael. Really appreciate it. It means a lot. These shows are a lot of fun, but a lot of work does go into them. So it really is nice when somebody shows appreciation for all the work that it takes to do the show. The mailbags are a lot of fun because... I enjoy answering the questions, and it gives me an excuse to hang out and talk with Chris for a while. So never going to get me to say anything bad about the mailbags. They're some of my favorite shows that we do. Next question comes in from Randy Sherman. He says, somewhere around $15 million in cap left after the rookies get paid. If you're Joe Douglas, give me your top three free agents. You bring in not named Clowney or Logan Ryan. I would go with Larry Warford, Josh Gordon, and Everson Griffin. I wouldn't touch Josh Gordon. He's a tremendous talent, but there's just way too much baggage there. And honestly, for his own good, I don't know that it's a great idea for him to be playing football. Everson Griffin, he's very talented, but I don't think the Jets are going anywhere near him because of his off-the-field stuff. Larry Warford is a guy that I would absolutely go after, but it just seems like the Jets aren't going to go down that road. I would love for the Jets to sign him and release Winters. It makes a lot of sense to me. I would go after Warford, and then that's probably the extent of what I would do. You need to save some of that money. There are going to be things that come up later on in the summer. There's also going to be potential emergency situations where you need to have extra cap space handy just in case. So I would probably just try to sign Warford. Maybe if the price was right, I'd go after Jason Peters, but those are the only two that I'd really be looking at. I'll be honest with you, not that I would hate them getting Logan Ryan, but it would wouldn't be my first priority anyway. So I guess that's my answer. Warford and Peters would be who I'd be looking at. If I sign Warford, I would cut Winters to make up the difference. And in that way, you do still have a fair amount of cash on hand if you need it. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, my answer is probably really just Warford. And then that's probably it. Um, but I, I agree with your Peters take, depending on the price. And then uh, I'd say the same for Logan Ryan, depending on the price. Um, but, uh, Warford's the only one out there that I'm like, all right, the, I, I would definitely uh, go after that without any hesitation or qualms about, um, otherwise I just, 
yes, you have that space, but like you said, you, you want to keep some flexibility in case you need it. Uh, you, you're still going to have training camp cuts and all that. You're still going to have some players shake free. And then on, on top of that, we know, like, I know fans are going to be, have their expectations and still want everything, but uh, you can roll that money over into next season. So any money that you don't spend. So I'm not looking to spend money just because it's there. Um, and doing that for, you know, a Logan Ryan or even a Jason Peters, uh, you're, you're doing that for a marginal increase this year. Um, that still would probably not get them to the playoffs. I think you can just roll that uh, money over to next year and it'll probably suit you better. Next question comes in from Byron. He says, who's your money on for breakout candidate of the year? I think it's going to be Quinn and Williams. Now that he can pin his ears back and go after the QB more, assuming that the upgraded corners and stud inside linebacker duo give him the freedom to do so. And that goes along with our buddy Boy Green, Paul Eston Jr., who says, what are realistic expectations for Quinn and Williams this year? I think that's fair. I really like Quinn and Williams to break out this year. We'll see what happens. But we did a whole show on this with Michael Nania recently where he went back and watched every single snap of Quinn and Williams' rookie year, and he talked about the different things that he did and the progress that he made throughout the year. You hear all about everything that he's doing in the offseason in terms of getting stronger, getting quicker, and I think that when you combine that with his instincts, there's a really good possibility that he breaks out. The thing that Michael pointed out, and I thought this was fascinating because nobody else has really talked about this, Quinn seemed to be a split second late on a fair amount of snaps, and I think that maybe he was gun-shy because if you remember, there was that play where he got called for roughing the passer, and so maybe it was a bit of a transition, and maybe it was just sort of something that he had to learn in terms of timing and how to go about that. But I think that there's a really good chance that he figures it out this year. He started to come on strong until the injury hit him at the end of the season. As far as expectations, this is tough, but I was looking at Calais Campbell's second year in the league, and I think this is kind of interesting. He had a forced fumble, seven sacks, eight tackles for a loss, and 14 quarterback hits. I'm not saying that he's going to do that well, but I think something along those lines could be realistic for Quinn and Williams. An extra sack or one less sack here or there, but I think it could be something in that range. I don't know that he's going to get double-digit sacks, but we've talked about this. Sacks aren't the be-all, end-all. 14 quarterback hits is pretty impressive for a guy in his second year from an interior line position. So I think that what Calais Campbell did in year number two could be an interesting point of comparison for Quinn and Williams. But I do think that he's going to play pretty well this year in his sophomore season. Yeah, I mean, he's the obvious answer there. Uh, you know, high pick coming out, had a little bit of a disappointing season. Uh, well, uh, just a, an overall disappointing season to uh, most of it, you know, not due to any fault of his own. Um, he had the injury problems. Uh, he had, you know, used the way he was used uh, because of, the injuries to the linebackers, but uh, so I definitely he's the obvious answer as far as, yeah, I don't like playing these games uh, about trying to project uh, stats and totals, especially from a position like defensive line, because you try to predict the stats and like uh, how many sacks he's going to get. And he might get more sacks than I expect, but maybe those sacks are 
you know, cheap sacks that he didn't, he just kind of walked into or ran into. And maybe his more impactful plays weren't the sacks. So, but I, I think you're right, give or take uh, that Calais Campbell line. Uh, I, I see him flirting with double digit sacks, uh, you know, and getting around uh, 10 to f- uh, 15 uh, the pressures a game, maybe even a little more. I, I can see all that happening. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't want to get pinned down on predicting a stat line because there's so many things you can just miss. You can uh, so many different ways and so many different times. But I do think that he's the obvious answer here. And it's obvious for a couple reasons. Obvious just because Quentin Williams and I expect him to take a huge leap uh, forward. Um, and also, where where else am I looking? I mean, I guess technically I could go ahead and say Chris Herndon if he can stay healthy and, and stay on the field. But otherwise, I don't even know who I would look to for number two there. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Jesus Delapaz Jr. And it's not a question, it's a comment. He says, thought of both of you guys when I saw that the press secretary had tweeted that Domino's was better than New York City pizza. So <laughs> let's talk about this. And this has nothing to do with politics. So whatever your political views are, we're talking strictly from a pizza standpoint. 
the tweet was eight years old. So I was curious about this. I went back and I was thinking, is she from the Northeast area? Because that sounds like a weird thing that somebody from the Northeast area wouldn't say. And sure enough, she's from Florida. And then she went to college in Florida and then to grad school in Boston, I think. So I'm thinking that it's one of two things because she would have been 24 years old at the time of the tweet. Either she didn't really know much about New York pizza or she was just trolling people, which remember when you're 24 years old, a lot of times when you're on Twitter or any kind of social media, you're going to troll. There's a writer who's fairly prominent. I don't remember what his name is, but I see his tweets all the time on the timeline because he's got a lot of followers. And he's constantly trolling people saying that Brooklyn has the best barbecue in the country. And people get really mad and start tweeting at him and yelling at him. I think that might have been part of what was going on with that. She might have been trolling either that or because she wasn't from New York and maybe hadn't been here that much. She just didn't understand the greatness of New York City pizza. It's funny because it reminded me of what happened when Bryce Petty first got here. I'm sure you remember this, Chris. He tweeted out something about ordering Domino's directly from his phone, and he got dogpiled on Twitter by people telling him, whoa, buddy, buddy, this ain't Texas. You're here in New York. We don't do Domino's here. Go out and go to one of the great pizzerias that we have all over the place in New York and New Jersey. Don't be ordering Domino's. When you're home in Texas, order Domino's to your heart's content. But when you're here in New York, don't insult us that way. So that was what I thought. I figure it's either she didn't know much about New York City pizza or New York slash New Jersey pizza, or she was just trolling people. Whatever it is, she's wrong. She's flat out wrong. She, it's not possible to be more wrong. And she should be ashamed and embarrassed by that take. Uh, that's, I mean... That's that's really all that matters. Um, I I've talked about this a lot. Uh, people in the Northeast always get on uh, people from outside of the Northeast for liking Domino's or other beats. That's fine when when you grow up and you live in Iowa or Nebraska or where there's not good pizza. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and get your Domino's. It, the, the, I am never going to knock you for it. Mm-hmm. Just don't say it's on level as new york pizza because it's not it's it's Mm -hmm. it's not it's not it's not um you're allowed you're free to have your taste buds react however they react but those taste buds are wrong if they think it's better than new york pizza that's an absolute it's not debatable no question about it by the way chris you know what's funny i was talking to a friend of mine who used to live down in florida and you know where he said the best place to get pizza is, and it's the only place that even comes close to New York quality of pizza. You're going to laugh when I tell you this. Uh, where? Disney World. You know why? No, I do not. Because at Epcot, when they have that whole around the world display, they get yeah. authentic food from these other countries. So they fly in actual Italian pizza from Italy. So it's expensive, but it's really good. And then if you want to get pizza anywhere else in Florida, good luck. But apparently, that's the hot tip. If you ever want good pizza in Florida, you're going to have to go to Epcot Center. Uh, Interesting. Um, I believe it. Uh, But yeah, I I haven't been to Disney World since I was a kid, so I cannot uh, comment on this. I haven't been there in a while either, but I can tell you that if I'm down in Florida for any reason and I have uh, hungering for pizza... If I'm anywhere near Disney World, it sounds like that's the place to go because I can tell you this for sure. There are not a lot of good pizza places down in Florida. And this is not just my own experience talking. This is me talking to several people that live down there. 
it is not pizza town down there, believe me. Same thing in Texas and many other places. Texas, great barbecue, but pizza is not their thing down there. Next question comes in from Deuce Steiner. He says, why hasn't Warford been signed yet? Is there some issue we don't know about? Do the Jets have any interest? Would it be worth replacing Winter as a guard with Warford for basically the same money? Also, Shake Shack is better than In-N-Out, and Joe's Pizza is the number one New York City slice. I've said this before. I don't really like New York City pizza in terms of Manhattan. That's what people mean when they say New York City. I prefer the other boroughs myself. I love some of the pizza places in the Bronx and Brooklyn and Queens and Long Island. We've talked about that. And there are some good places in Jersey. There are plenty of places in New York City as well, in Manhattan, I should say. But it's not my favorite borough for pizza, honestly. As far as Shake Shack and In-N-Out... I like both. I've never really understood all the hype around In-N-Out. It's solid, but it's not this amazing product that some people make it out to be. And as far as all the Larry Warford stuff, I do think it would make sense. I would prefer Larry Warford over Brian Winters. It's nothing personal with Winters. It's just he's hurt all the time. What's going on with Warford is my guess is that teams are reluctant to make a long-term commitment to him, and there are all kinds of questions about what's going to happen now with the season as far as revenues and all that, so maybe teams are waiting until that becomes more clear before somebody signs him to a long-term deal. But that's pretty much what I think the story is there, and it doesn't sound like the Jets are all that interested. Yeah, specifically coming from the Jets, uh, it's not. It's about doling out the long-term money right now. That's something that they're not trying to do. Um, as far as the rest of the league, I, I can't speak for every team, but I do know that teams are hesitant to spend long-term money right now around the league. And uh, there's also... Uh, you know, his, his play had slipped a little bit towards the end there. But, but um, I, I, you know, once you get a better idea of how everything's going to be going forward, he's going to get signed up by a team. It's just everyone's kind of in a holding pattern right now. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you on the uh, – I mean, you can definitely find some really good uh, slices in Manhattan. But if I want to go – uh, get a pizza, a p- best pizza in New York City. I'm going to Brooklyn. Um, that that's where I'm going. Um, now, I I haven't gone to every pizzeria in the city, so don't sit here and take this as me saying Brooklyn's got the best of anything. But where I know to go, I'm going to Brooklyn. Now, I've never actually had In and Out, so I can't really comment on that. I do love Shake Shack, though. I, I they're I always forget what it's called, the smokehouse burger or whatever, the cherry peppers and bacon. They, they cook the bacon right. Um, so I, I, I do like that a lot. I, that's my favorite uh, of the chains of the, you know, the five guys and smash burgers. I, I like them all. They're all good. But uh, Shake Shack's my favorite of them. I have not had the In-N-Out burger yet, though, so I can't really comment on that one. That's going to wrap up part two of the weekend mailbag. Don't forget to follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't given the show a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.